It's time to discover your spiritual identity with your host, Mike Shree. There are hundreds of names and titles given to God's people that powerfully reveal who you are, why you exist, and what your purpose is in this world. Each one pulls back the veil of a different aspect of who you are in Christ. Once you learn these names and titles and apply them to your life, you will rise up boldly to be all that God has called you to be. Are you ready? Here's Mike Shree. On this episode of Discover Your Spiritual Identity, we will continue with this awesome revelation of what it is to be the redeemed of the Lord. This is part two of a three-part series, what it is to be the redeemed of the Lord. Our foundation scripture is Psalm 107, verses 1 and 2. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Now, remember on the last episode, I taught you the definition of the word redeemed. To redeem means to buy back that which has been lost, stolen, sold, or forfeited. To be redeemed means to be loosed away from bondage by a purchase price. We covered the first two times that the concept of redemption surfaces in Scripture. And we're going to start on this episode with the third time we find redemption revealed in the Bible. However, it's hidden because most of your English Bibles do not translate the word that we're going to cover into the word redemption, but rather another word, division, or something similar. Let's go to Exodus chapter 8, verses 22 and 23. This is one of the plagues that fell on Egypt when God was wrenching the Israelites free from their captivity of over 400 years. Four centuries they had lived as slaves and God was about to set them free. I don't care how long you've lived enslaved to depression, enslaved to the lust of the flesh, enslaved to some kind of addiction, enslaved to just discouragement and a sense of inadequacy. I believe God is about to set you free. Now listen to what God said during the plague of the swarms of flies in Exodus 8, 22 and 23. He said, I will in that day set apart the land of Goshen in which my people dwell that no swarms of flies shall be there, that you may know that I am the Lord, I am Yahweh. I will put a division between my people and your people. And this was prophesied through Moses to Pharaoh concerning the children of Israel. God said, I will put a division between my people and your people. Now, the Hebrew word translated division there is paduth, which is also translated redemption. And so when God said, I'm going to put a paduth between your people and my people, between the Egyptians and the Israelites, in a sense, he was saying, I'm going to draw a line of redemption in the sand. And on the side of the land of Goshen, where the chosen people of God dwell, there will be protection, there will be preservation, there will be provision from the Most High God in that place of safety 
and security. They will be under the canopy of my keeping grace, my care, my compassion. Now, if they could expect that back then, then you and I can expect that now. I believe there is a line of redemption around your life. And within that boundary, that God-given boundary, that God-placed boundary, you are safe under the canopy of his grace. You are under the protection and provision and preservation power of the Most High God. There is a line of redemption around you and everything that pertains to you. In fact, if I was you, I would start confessing there is a paduth, there is a boundary, there is a division between me and the darkness that is in this world. There is a line of redemption around my family, a line of redemption around my finances, a line of redemption around my businesses, a line of redemption around my purpose and my vision in life. I claim that in your behalf. We are the redeemed of the Lord, and we are going to say so. Now I'm going to cover the most phenomenal aspect of the old covenant revelation of redemption. In the Hebrew, the word that is translated redeemer is goel, G-O-E-L. But that same word is translated into nearest kinsman, and it's translated into avenger or avenger of blood. It's translated redeemer, kinsman, and avenger. Same word translated three ways. Now, a Jewish person would understand that a goel, a redeemer, is a kinsman. A goel is an avenger. These three are one. But in English, you've got three different designations, three different words, that are assigned to one individual. And that was the redeemer in your life. If you were a Jew, if you were an Israelite, and some of the things I'm about to tell you happened in your life, then you had to turn toward the closest relative, the nearest kinsman in the expectation of redemption taking place. Well, what is all of this about? Well, these were rules God had in place to protect his people. This was before you could file bankruptcy. And this was before there was some kind of police force in place to protect the oppressed, to protect those that are hurt by others. And so God installed some rules and some laws so that justice could prevail and so that people could be helped in the midst of crisis. If an Israelite was uh, so challenged financially that he had to sell his property, which incidentally was never supposed to happen, the inheritance of a certain landmass, a certain piece of property was supposed to be part of the legacy passed down from one generation to the next in an Israelite family. It was not to be given away or sold unless a man went bankrupt or was having financial crisis and he was pushed to this. He would sell his land in order to pay off his bills. Well, it became the responsibility of the nearest kinsman to fulfill the role of the Gual, to fulfill the role of the Redeemer. And he would come and buy back the man's property, his nearest kinsman's property, and then deliver it back into his hands. No debt incurred, no strings attached. 
It was all an act of obedience to God and love for that nearest kinsman. That would be the role of the Redeemer. And if a man got so messed up financially that he had to not only sell his property, but sell himself into slavery or sell his wife and children into slavery, it became the responsibility, the God-given responsibility of the nearest kinsman, the closest relative, to come to wherever the sale was taking place and to have redemption rights to have the right to make the first offer to purchase this man out of slavery or his family out of slavery. And so in the role of a redeemer, he would give that man and or his family their freedom back. Well, you may say, well, how does this apply to me? Because I'm okay financially right now, and I am not on the verge of bankruptcy And I don't have relatives that would do that for me anyway. You might respond to me a number of ways. Well, all of this was a figurative picture of what Jesus would do in the new covenant. Because by the way, he is our nearest kinsman. He is our goal. He is our nearest kinsman, closer than a father could ever be, closer than a mother could ever be, closer than a brother or sister could ever be, closer than a husband or wife could ever be. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And it applies to something much more than just a home or a piece of land that you might have acquired in life. Because see, there's a lot of things that you lose along the journey. You may lose a certain possession, a God-given possession, the God-given possession of joy, the God-given possession of peace, the God-given possession of a calling and a purpose, the God-given possession of freedom from sin. And, And sometimes the enemy comes, sometimes it's your own bad choices, sometimes it's the influence of others. And then again, sometimes it may be a satanic or a demonic plot against you. You lose the legacy passed down to you. You lose your God-given inheritance and your Redeemer comes and he buys back that which has been lost. Now he did that in a global sense, in a worldwide sense. When he went to the cross, he bought back what's been lost for the whole Adamic race because Adam lost his intimacy with God. He lost his sinless status. He lost the manifestation of his dominion. He became subservient to sin and subservient to Satan. And he lost this inheritance that had been given to him in the Garden of Eden. But then our nearest kinsman came and walked on the earth our closest relative, and he filled the role of a redeemer, and he bought back with his own blood what Adam and Eve lost in the garden, and then he passes it back to us. You can have dominion again. You can have intimacy with God again. You can have a clean heart again. He gives it to us with no debt incurred and no strings attached, just a free gift of his love and his compassion into our lives. Well, what about this issue with an Israelite having to sell himself into slavery? 
Well, later on, when Jesus walked on the earth, he said, whosoever commits sin is the slave of sin. Whoever commits sin is the slave of sin. If you've ever had some kind of repeated error in your life, some area of vulnerability, some area of weakness, some area where you keep faltering and stumbling and losing your way, then your nearest kinsman is going to come. He did it one time prior to your salvation. You were enslaved by a sinful state. You were enslaved by the demonic powers that had control of your life. You were enslaved by the circumstances of your life, but your redeemer came and bought you with his own blood out of the slave market of sin and gave you your freedom and said, now where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And he put his spirit within your hearts. But too often, far too often, you've fallen back into enslavement. But the God who started to work in you is still your redeemer. And he still intends to continue his work in you. Now let's move on to a very amazing aspect of this metaphorical, symbolical, prophetic picture we find in the Old Testament. The third word that I mentioned is translated from the word goel is the word avenger. And the full phrase is avenger of blood, goel dom, avenger of blood. And that was a particular role that the Redeemer would play when an Israelite man was murdered, when an Israelite woman or child was murdered then the nearest kinsman, the Goal, the nearest kinsman, the Redeemer, was called upon by God to drop every other earthly endeavor and to pursue that murderer. See, there was no system, there was no police force in place. There was no FBI or CIA-like organization. This is how God took care of the crime of murder. The nearest kinsman would begin to pursue that killer with the intention of bringing the justice that was right, a life for a life, and he would kill the killer. Now, far too often, the Redeemer, being human, being prone to error or failure, would either not find the murderer or when he apprehended him or her, would end up being killed himself, and so justice would fail. But I'm here on this podcast to tell you that Jesus, your heavenly adventure, did not fail. And when he came to this earth, he came with the intention of filling this role of the kinsman redeemer who was now avenging the slain human race, the slain people that were descendants from Adam who inherited a death state. Because from the time Adam and Eve fell, every human being born into this world was born dead in trespasses and sins. See, a mass genocide took place when Eve partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and convinced Adam to do the same, then it wasn't just two human beings that were gripped with death, emotional deaths, mental deaths, spiritual death, and ultimately physical death. And then beyond the death of this physical body is the second death, which is the death of both soul and body in the fires of damnation. But see, that horrible state of death was passed on to all the Adamic offspring. 
We were all dead in trespasses and sins, but nearly 2,000 years ago, our heavenly avenger came into the world to pursue the murderer. And he said it himself. He said, Satan was a murderer from the beginning. From the very start, he came to kill and to steal and to destroy. Everywhere he went, he was avenging the slain of humanity. When he cast seven devils out of Mary Magdalene, he was avenging someone who was slain morally. When he cast a legion of devils out of the man who was in the tombs, who was naked, who was cutting himself, who was deranged, he was avenging someone who was slain mentally. And when he went to the cross, he faced off with the murderer and then confronted him for the killing of the entire human race. He did something that no other redeemer had ever done. He allowed the killer to kill him. But it was all part of this ingenious plan where the one who was perfect tasted death for all of those who are imperfect to deliver us from the death state that we were subjected to so that we could have eternal life. Hallelujah to the Lamb. No wonder we get excited about our redemption rights because this has all reached a pinnacle of fulfillment in the new covenant. I have one last thing I want to say on this episode. Often the nearest kinsman because of a myriad of reasons. Maybe uh, the nearest kinsman was too impoverished himself to do anything for his loved one, or maybe he was too hard-hearted to do what the law required of him. But for a number of reasons, uh, this system didn't always work. And sometimes the bankrupt Israelite remained bankrupt. Sometimes the enslaved Israelite remained enslaved. But God had something in place called the year of Jubilee. And you can read about that in Leviticus chapter 25. All redeemable things that had not yet been redeemed would be redeemed in the year of Jubilee. No wonder there were the blaring of shofars all over the land of Israel announcing this year. In fact, there's a scripture that's on the Liberty Bell, one of the wonderful symbols of the liberty we experience in the United States of America. There is a scripture from Leviticus 25 around the Liberty Bell. It says, proclaim liberty throughout all the land to all the inhabitants thereof. And in that year of Jubilee, the year of redemption, in that year, which was also called the year of God's favor and the acceptable year of the Lord, all land was restored to the original owners all Hebrew slaves were released. Many of those who were in prison also were set free and liberated because in the year of Jubilee, the year of the Lord's favor, the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of redemption, there was freedom in all the land. And that was every 50 years. But here's the key thing I want you to hear. Here is the amazing thing. When Jesus announced his ministry in the synagogue at Nazareth, he quoted from Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me for he has anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek, to bind up the brokenhearted, to set liberty those that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. In other words, he was saying, I'm here to proclaim the year of Jubilee. And then he closed the book. 
And the Bible said those that heard him were astonished at his words because he said, this day, these words are fulfilled in your ears because Jesus came to establish a permanent jubilee. How amazing is that? He came to establish a covenant era where it would not just be the 50th year, but every day of every month of every year of every decade of every century since it's been liberty throughout the world for those who know the Redeemer. Praise God for that. We're going to finalize this in the next episode, and it's going to build to an even higher peak of revelation. Don't miss it next week, part three of The Redeemed of the Lord. Thank you for listening to Discover Your Spiritual Identity with Mike Shree, a podcast designed to cause a spiritual awakening in your life. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can go deeper into this amazing revelation of the names God has given His people by getting your copy of Mike Shreve's book titled, Who Am I? Dynamic Declarations of Who You Are in Christ. We also invite you to visit our website, shreveministries.org, and sign up to be part of our global internet family, a group of on-fire believers who are bold to proclaim, I am who God says I am, I have what God says I have, and I will be what God says I will be.